Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, the Connections Pastor in Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Matter, will be coming to join the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. We want to welcome you to episode 31 of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast, and we're still going strong because of you. Thank you for listening, and be sure and tell your friends and family about the Faith to Life podcast. And as you get the word out, you're helping people have an opportunity to grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, It's really a simple way to spread the word and the ways of Jesus to those that you know. So uh, try to make an effort this week to get them out, uh, to get the word out. Well, I know that there's two things that we're never supposed to talk about in polite company, Pastor Tommy. One of them is my chosen profession, religion. Can't talk uh, about it. That's right. But, well, that's that's out the window. But yeah. I think in our current ulti- uh, climate, politics is even more explosive. You know, in a democracy, we vote every couple of years. So how yeah. can we as believers yeah. make it through? You yeah, know? so you think about it, right, that you're not supposed to talk about religions and politics and company mm. of others right yeah and then when a preacher talks about politics oh my wow. goodness it's and like here we got double. two preachers we're about to talk about uh, talk about politics it's gonna be a bad day yeah i'm afraid it might be mm. but before we talk about politics before the preachers talk about politics let me ask you a question sure have you tried the popeye's chicken sandwich i almost did the other day but i have not now have you were you chicken <laughs> <laughs> Did you make that up, man? Because that's I, awesome. That was, that was just that was just on the spot. That man. is a great dad right? joke. That is a great I did dad good. joke. That was I just came to me in the moment. That was really good. Huh? <laughs> that was, man. Oh my quick wit. So anyway, um, I want to try it. You haven't. I yet. haven't tried it either. Okay. I mean, it's been out now for several like, months. You like Popeyes? You've liked well, Popeyes. Well, I mean, I lived in Louisiana yeah, for, yeah. for you know for almost a decade, and you know Popeyes is a staples there. People eat Popeyes. I, I like Popeyes. I don't mm-hmm. mind it at all. But man, when when Popeye's introduced that chicken sandwich. Just the division I saw on social uh, media. It was crazy. I'm afraid that, you know, I'm going to be labeled a heretic if I eat Popeye's. <laughs> so I just can't do it. I, I'm afraid of the division it might cause in my church oh, if I eat man. a Popeye's sandwich. I'm tempted. I want to do it, but I, I just can't. <laughs> What's your excuse? Why haven't you tried it? Eh, I always excuse myself because it's too expensive. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, I'm actually afraid I'm going to be disappointed. But uh, you don't want to whatever. be disappointed. Yeah. Well, the Popeye's chicken sandwich has certainly been divisive, but nowhere as near divisive as politics, right? Mm, I would agree with that. And so here's what's going to happen this year. It is a 2020 election year cycle. We're going to vote for the next president of the United States. Mm-hmm. It'll be Donald Trump versus whomever the Democrats nominate as uh, their president-elect, not president-elect, presidential candidate, whatever you call it. Um, you can see how good I am at politics, right? So so it's going to be a big year. And, and here's what's going to happen. We know this, right? That if a Republican gets reelected as mm-hmm. president of the United States, half the country is going to say the nation is going to fall apart. And they'll say it's not my president. He's not my president, exactly. right? And on the flip side... If a Democrat gets elected to the office of president come November, half the country is going to say the nation's going to fall apart. And he's not my president. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Or she or whomever it turns yes, out to be. Right? He or she, yes. So, yeah, it's like a no-win situation, isn't it? Yeah. 
we're we're sunk either way. <laughs> or are we? Or who are knows? We, right. So yeah, this really is a big issue, and we are preachers, and preachers aren't supposed to talk about politics, but we do want to think through this issue because it does affect us, and we want to be wise in the way that we think about politics, the way that we vote, and the way that we use our words when we have a political conversations. So this is uh, kind of one of those hot button issues, but we think it's important to talk about. So we're going to do our best to talk about this in a way that honors Jesus. And you might agree with some of the things that we say today, and you might not. So if you don't agree, don't send us emails. I'm sorry. (laughs) It is what it is. Amen. It just is what it is. And we're going to do our best to be sensitive to everybody as we have this conversation. So we'll see what happens. Well, let's look at uh, today. I think it'd be important that we look at five ways that we can survive if we're going to do it this election cycle. Five ways to survive this election cycle. Number one. Know the gospel unites, but politics divides. Yeah. That's just reality, right, Trey? Yes. I mean, the reality is we live in a divided country. And if our focus as followers of Jesus is on politics, Mm -hmm. if that's what our ultimate focus is, is all we're thinking about and talking about is who the next president is going to be, we are going to be a divided people, Mm -hmm. right? Because by the nature of politics, it is divisive. Isn't it? Yeah, well, they're trying to tell you why that other person is awful. Yeah. That's the whole point. This you is watch why, the debates you know? at all this year? And if you vote for them, you're awful. Yeah, if you watch debates, whether it's Republican debates, which we're not having those this year because we have an incumbent, uh, or it's, it's Democratic debates, they're, they're constantly tearing mm-hmm. each other down and mudslinging and everything else. It is divisive by nature. Mm-hmm. The gospel, however, is not divisive by nature. It is unifying unifying amen god gave his son jesus christ who died for us and rose again to make us one and you think about you know um what paul writes for example in ephesians chapter 4 1 through 5 he says this i therefore a prisoner for the lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience Mm -hmm. bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace listen to what he says there is one body one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, when Paul wrote these words to the believers in Ephesus, he wrote to Gentile believers. Mm. Right? That's right. Gentiles were enemies with who? The, with uh, the Jews. Jewish people, mm-hmm. right? But Jesus did something. He died on the cross, rose again, offering Gentiles the opportunity to be one with God, but also one with their enemies. Wow. This is what's so amazing about the gospel, that that because of what Christ has done, Jews and Gentiles, Paul's telling them, this is a huge theme in in the letter that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. This huge theme is that you are one. Mm -hmm. You're you're no longer enemies. You're no longer against each other. God has brought you together. Now think about our church here in North Charleston. As we gather for worship on Sunday morning and we look around our congregation, we have people who are uh, from different countries, yes, different races, uh, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different educational levels. But when we come together for worship, even different political persuasions Mm -hmm. are in our church. Yes. But when we come together... We're one, right? Mm-hmm. And so check this out, Trey. It's possible to be a Republican and at the same time be saved. Yeah. And it's possible to be a Democrat and at the same time be saved. 
it's possible to be an independent and at the same time be saved. Mm-hmm. Jesus transcends politics. He does. Right? He has always. And, and Jesus always has brought, for those of us who are of faith, who have placed our trust in him, he has unified us. We might not agree on every issue politically, but that's okay. Because if we're followers of Jesus, brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're one. Politics always divide. And if, if all we're basing our hope on is a political system, we are going to be divided. But if we place our hope in the one who came and lived and died and rose again for us, and we live for his mission, mm-hmm. then we're united. So, man, we need to focus much more on the kingdom, the real kingdom, than this earthly kingdom and the political systems of this world, right? Because the gospel unites, the politics divide. I think it's so easy for us to think that the temporal solutions are the ultimate solutions. Right. And I th- and I think that's really why people get so deep into the politics part of it. Mm. And they also get real anxious about when somebody disagrees with them. Yeah. Because they've confused what, what is ultimate and what is temporary. You that's know? exactly right. And that's, I think, why we need to talk about the second way that we survive the election cycle. And what is it? That's to know your true home. Yeah. This is not your true home. Mm. Right? That's right. You think about the Bible, and, and, and if you read the Bible carefully— there is a theme uh, that, that, that is on every page of Scripture, it seems, right? This theme of exile. Mm. So you think about Ab and Eve. When they fell into sin, they immediately became exiles, right? From the Garden From yeah. the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. And so they were separated uh, from the presence of God, that, that perfect presence of God they experienced in the Garden. They were separated from that when they sin, right? You continue to, to walk through the biblical story. Uh, you read about the, the, uh, the Hebrew people, right? That they are exiled from their land and taken into Egypt to live as slaves. Eventually come out, they gain the promised land, but they disobey the Lord. And then they're exiled in the, the Babylon and the Assyrians come in and defeat the northern kingdom. And so there's exile again, right? And so eventually Christ comes and he lives and dies and um, rises from the dead, and, and he uh, gives people a, a new beginning and a relationship with him. He brings Jew and Gentile together. But then Peter comes along, and he says in First Peter chapter 1 that we are all, as followers of Jesus, what? Exiles. Exiles. Right? That we're all living on this earth temporarily. We're exiles. We're, right? actu- we're actually elected to exiles. Exactly right. That's <laughs> so what we're Peter talking about elections, you know? One. Yeah, we are elect Exiles. God has chosen for us in this season of our lives to live here on this earth for sure, but this is not our home. Mm, This is not. And so, knowing that while we're exiles, we're not going to always be exiles. Mm -hmm. We're going to inherit a permanent home. This home is temporal, but our heavenly home is not. Amen. So, the political parties of this world are temporal, the king and his kingdom is not. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you you know this, the nature of politics is that it's temporal. Of course. I mean, every four to eight years, something changes. Two, four, and, you know, you 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 think about that too when you have midterm elections, but but it's always changed. Always. And you, in your lifetime, me in my lifetime, we have seen the changes and we're not done seeing changes. And and you think about it this way, uh, right now in the United States, we have two major political parties, right? Mm -hmm. You have the Republicans and you have the Democrats. Mm -hmm. But if you go throughout the history of our nation, there were more political parties. There were the Whigs. What happened to them? Yeah, they're gone, The man. Federalists, right, and others. Yeah. All that to say, it's all so temporary. And there were the Republican Democrats. 
There you were. Know, that, that was Thomas Jefferson. There you so. go. There you go. I mean, just all that to say, <laughs> as you look throughout history, is also temporary. Yeah, yeah, it is. But what has not changed one bit is the kingdom of God, right? Exactly. The you king know, is still on his throne, reigning and ruling. We're not going to elect a new king. There is one king, Jesus Christ. Well, politics creates an anxiousness and an anxiety in yeah. people because of the change. Yeah. But I know that what I believe is eternal. And That's it exactly doesn't right. change. So I wake up no matter who's president tomorrow. That's right. My relationship with Christ does not change. That's exactly you know? right. So so your presidential candidate might win the election this year, or your presidential candidate might lose the election. Mm-hmm. Either way, whether your candidate wins or loses, it does not change for a moment who the true king is. It does not change for a moment where your true eternal life rests. It does not change for a moment your real home. And those are the real things that really matter. They really matter. They? Amen. So if that person gets elected that you think will ruin our country, guess what? You're going to be okay. Exactly. Right? You're going to be okay. You will be. Lift up your head. Look to the kingdom of heaven. You're going to be all right. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get down to some practical, real nuts and bolts things now, because I think this is a huge part of it. Number three is think before you speak. That's just good life advice in general, right? <laughs> But when it comes to but politics, comes to politics so. man, yeah. and, and it's okay to have strong convictions of course, politically. Of course. I have some strong convictions, and I don't mind expressing some of those strong convictions. I mean, I am absolutely 1 million percent pro-life, mm-hmm. right? I am pro-family. I mean, mm-hmm. I, those things matter a lot to me. I am convicted of those things, but not everybody shares those convictions. Mm-hmm. With, I want everybody to share those convictions with me because I think those are biblical convictions. Amen. But not everybody shares those convictions. And so when I share those convictions with other people, how can I share those convictions in a way that they're at least heard? Mm-hmm. Right? And so just thinking about the way that we communicate our convictions, we want to communicate them in, in, a, in a way that, that, that shows love and grace. We want our convictions to be heard. It's not wrong to have your convictions heard. Oftentimes, it's very right to have your convictions heard, but you want to communicate your convictions in such a way that they're actually heard. Exactly. So we don't want to put up the walls immediately before we even make our point. And sometimes the way that we have our convictions heard, and this is an old adage that I think is true, Mm -hmm. is that we seek to understand other people before we seek to be understood. So that person who holds that political uh, conviction that you differ with, have you ever thought to ask them why they hold that conviction? Mm -hmm. Why do they think differently than you? And let that be the starting point for the conversation. And just listen before you share your conviction. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that would be helpful. I just know that that it's okay to hold strong convictions, but when we communicate those strong convictions, we need to communicate them in a way that will actually be heard. And so maybe some good advice is before you seek to be heard, right? Mm-hmm. Why don't you just take some time to hear the other person first? You know, just a simple line like, tell me where you're coming from on that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't know where, what you've been through. Those kind of things can open the conversation rather than close it down. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Because, you know, the scripture says this, Romans twelve eighteen, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably yeah. with all. And if I'm always screaming my opinions at other people, that's going to make it difficult to live at peace, right? Mm. Again, I'm not saying not share your convictions. Sometimes, again, it's very right to share your convictions. But we need to do it in a way that, that we're showing some grace and love and in a way that we are uh, actually going to be heard for what we're saying, right? I tend to listen to people who don't scream, if that makes sense really? to you. When people come to me and they just yeah. kind of say, hey, listen, <laughs> this is where I am. This yeah. is what I'm coming yeah. from. They give me a matter-of-fact sort of explanation. I tend to listen. Yeah, exactly. People start screaming, I shut down. Exactly. And and what I've learned too, and I'm still learning, 
what I've learned too is, you yes. know what? I have lots of opinions. Mm-hmm. I don't have to share every opinion in every situation. You don't have to say everything that's on your mind. It's probably wise not to say everything on your mind. <laughs> and <laughs> what I've discovered as well is Facebook and Twitter and social media, th- those places are horrible places to have political conversations. Horrible. What? So, and what you do on your Facebook page or your Twitter page, that is your business. And I, I'm not going to judge you for how you choose to, you know, write or whatever. That That is completely up to you. But for me personally, I have personally chosen in my own life not to put anything political on social media. Just for me personally, mm-hmm. because I just think for me personally, one, in my profession, I certainly don't want to do that because I, I, I'm, I want people to, you know, see Christ in me and I want to share the gospel and I don't want to do anything that might create a barrier for that. So I've chosen for that reason not to do that. Uh, but, but secondly, it's just a terrible place for conversation about politics. I'm just, I've just chosen personally just not to do it. It's a, it's a great place to cause division though. It, it is. So listen, it, <laughs> if, and listen, if you're going to choose to use your social media platform as a place to talk politics, just be wise about it is all we're saying. Be wise, be careful what you put out there uh, and know that what you put out there on social media, you're probably gonna have people disagreeing with you. Mm-hmm. That's just reality, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, so, and here's what I also know too. Um, while I don't have to put all my thoughts about politics on social media, mm-hmm. I also don't have to respond to everybody's thoughts on politics on social Boy, media. That's a big one. Yeah, yes, right, that's a big right. One. You know what I love about Facebook? You don't. I can scroll. You can scroll. I can scroll. You can shut it down. I can just scroll. I can turn it off. I don't have to engage every conversation. And there, and I'll be honest with you, Trey, there are lots of conversations I want to engage. <laughs> because let's be honest, I scroll my my Facebook feed and I see people, people that I know and love, just write some of the darndest things, man. I mean, just like, <laughs> what are you thinking, right? And I could in that moment engage that and open up a can of worms. But for me, it's usually wiser just to keep on scrolling. Now, if I see something on Facebook that I really think needs to be addressed as their pastor or whatever, mm-hmm. I might say, hey, let me call you sometime and let's talk about this or whatever the case may be and handle it off of social media. But by and large, I mean, just scrolling past stuff I don't agree with has served me well. I think that's a think great idea. Think before you speak and, you know, scroll instead of speaking sometimes. I like that. Scroll yep, instead yep, of speaking. Yep. Okay. Um, you know, uh, how about the gospel? How does that or, enter, enter into politics i mean what, what how should we respond i guess as a gospel oriented person yeah i would say talk about the gospel when you talk about politics okay and that would be really helpful wouldn't it mm. if we believe that there is a real king who is working all things out according to his will and purpose then it would make sense that we spend much more time talking about the real king than speaking about a temporary kingdom politics are important we're not saying that politics are unimportant Mm -hmm. they're very important but they're certainly not as important as the eternal king amen to that right all right number four and i think this is a big one and that is live what you believe yeah if you believe that your hope is in jesus and not politics live that way you live it out right if you believe that god's kingdom is eternal and not the kingdom of this earth Live that way, Live right? That's right? If you believe that the gospel calls you to love and care for everyone, even those you disagree with, live that way. Mm-hmm. Whatever you believe about Jesus, live it out. Amen. Right? I mean, and just think about how that would affect, you know, the political climate if we as Christians would actually live as Christians in a very divided political age, right? You know, I think what what we've done is we've said, well, that's my political world, that's not my Christian world, or that's my job world, that's not my Christian world, and we've kind of separated out yeah. our life yeah. 
And I think that causes causes uh, a lot of division, doesn't it? Well, it causes division. <laughs> it also causes the destruction yeah, of relationships does. and relationship with Christ and everything else. Yeah, there's a passage of scripture that I think is very helpful for this conversation. It's Jeremiah 29, 5 through 11. You might recognize this passage because the, the, the last verse I'm going to read, Jeremiah 29, 11, is one that we all have you know, somewhere in our home in a frame, right? Yes, it For is. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, listen to what the Bible says before those words. This is when the nation of Israel was in Babylonian exile. They're living in a land that is not theirs. They are living under the oppression of a king, right? But listen to what God says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives to your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when the 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill my promise to bring you back to this place. And then he says, for I know the plans I have for you. But all that to say, what God says to his people who are in exile is while you're in Babylon, you're going to be under a king that, that, that's oppressing you. You're going to be under a, a regime that is not of your choosing. Make the best of it. That's right. Build houses, get married, have some kids, give away your sons and daughters in marriage, right? Seek the welfare of that particular place. Mm-hmm. And as you seek the welfare of Babylon, and all goes well there, all's going to go well with you as well. And that's how we live it out, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's how you live it out and in, in where you are, where God has placed you. You're showing that what your relationship with Christ is, your relationship with your God makes a lot more difference than it does for the what you're going to put into this world. Exactly right. And Paul says something similar as well in Romans 13, verses 1 through 7, right? And so, so when Paul writes to the church at Rome, do you know who the emperor was of Rome? I think it was Nero. Yeah, right? quite possibly it was Nero. And Nero would eventually see that Paul was put to death. Mm-hmm. And so he is in an environment where he is certainly oppressed because of his faith. But listen to what he says. Romans 13, 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Nero? Nero? Nero. Wow. Yeah. Interesting, right? But but what, what Paul's saying and what God is saying to his people who are in exile is just, hey, wherever you are, live for me and make the best of it. Mm-hmm. Live for me and make the best of it. You might not agree with the politician who, who is uh, leading the country at this particular time. You, you might think the country's going to fall apart if this person gets elected president. But whatever happens politically, live for me, make the best of it. Make the best of the country that you are in. Even if you're under oppressive leadership, do your best. Do your best to support. Do your best to submit. Do your best. Live for me and do your best. So whether you are in Babylon which I would say that probably wasn't a Christian king. No. Or in Rome, which we know was not a Christian king. Right. You just have to live how God has had you live. Live it out. Yeah. Amen. So live it out. All right, number five, and uh, I think this is so important, and that's pray often for your elected officials. 
Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Hey, Trey, there's going to be a president elected. Mm-hmm. And that president elected might be a Democrat. It might be a Republican. Mm-hmm. And chances are that president who is elected is not going to be a follower of Jesus. I'm sure that's probably right. But do you think God desires that president to be a follower of Christ? Of course he does. Yes. So why not pray for that? That's right. God desires that all men and women come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. If we believe that, why not pray? Pray for your leaders. Pray that they would know Christ Pray for your leaders to have wisdom. And here's what you and I know about prayer, Trey. Prayer changes our attitude towards those we are praying for. That's exactly right. Right? Every single time. And you think about that candidate who's running for president right now, and just the thought of that person in office makes you sick. Right? (laughs) Mm. Why don't you take that in the Lord and ask God to change your attitude towards that person? You might not agree with his stances or her stances on particular issues, But you can agree that God made that person, that presidential candidate that you despise, Mm -hmm. God made that person in his image. Amen. Amen. And God has a purpose for that person. Why not pray that God would help that person live out that purpose? You see, prayer, God uses prayer to change the hearts of people that we're praying for. And God also uses prayer to change our hearts. And it may be that if there is a presidential candidate or other politician that you despise and just makes you sick to your stomach, it may mean that you probably need to spend a lot of time praying for that political candidate for God to soften your heart towards that person. You know, I, I've heard people say you can't complain if you didn't vote, but I would say if you can't, if you can't pray for them, then man, you yeah. know, you don't need to you be involved in the process at all. <laughs> right, you know, right. wow. Yeah. Thank you, brother. I think yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that in and of itself will probably help us survive this mm-hmm. political cycle. If we'll just spend time praying for those who are running for office. It gets our eyes focused off the temporary and onto the eternal. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. So we pray for them. I think that's so important. And as we come to this uh, time of the year, I think it's, uh, I think uh, one of the, was it I- Iowa is coming up real yeah. quickly? So, Actually, uh, by the time this releases, okay. that'll probably be done with. We'll probably be well into the, the uh, election. So it's really going to hit the fan. Yeah, <laughs> so it's going when, to. When it does, we just need to be prepared. So prepare ourselves for mm. what uh, whatever comes up on Facebook or with our friends or family. Yeah. You know, so uh, I know you're probably uh, wondering about what should you do. Well, Pastor Tommy, if they're out there wondering what they should do, if they, you could say one thing that would help them most, what would it be as they prepare for the uh, this year of elections? Yeah, I think we already said the one thing, pray. Pray for wisdom I as agree. you have the opportunity to vote. You want to pray according to your convictions and or excuse me, you want to vote according to your convictions and what you believe about about Jesus, uh, but you also want to pray for all of our presidential candidates mm-hmm. that God would get a hold of their hearts. And you want to pray that we as followers of Jesus, that whomever might be um, elected to office, we will be a people who continue to honor the Lord, that we would continue to, to love people in our country, uh, support our government, and do the best that we can, trusting that God ultimately is in control. And, and that, at the end of the day, is the best we can do, to Amen. live for the Lord and trust His sovereign will. Why don't you close this out, Pastor? We do hope that this has been helpful for you. We know this is a controversial topic, and, and hopefully we've um, 
made it a little less controversial today. Now, we'll let you be the judge of that. But we do hope that if this has helpful, been helpful for you, that you'll share it with a friend and that you will subscribe to this podcast. You can have new content delivered to your device every single week. Leave us a review because those reviews are super helpful. And as always, we hope that today's episode has helped you connect faith to life. 